Let's take our Bibles, if you will, turn to Matthew's Gospel and uh, chapter number 3. We began yesterday morning preaching on some places that Jesus visited while he was here on earth. We realized that he never took a step that was out of his Father's will. But yet every step he took, he took with you in mind, and he had me in mind. And so we're looking back to those occasions and to those experiences, to those places, to see how that the Lord would uh, minister to our hearts even in this hour, because Jesus is still taking steps with us and in us. And through us. And so we're trying to glean that which the Lord would say to us through those places and those experiences in His Word that He had written down for our occasions. But here I want us to notice that that Jesus is in the Jordan in Matthew chapter number 3. And I want to emphasize how that He is one of us. I think that this occasion of Jesus coming to be baptized of John reveals his humanity as much, probably, as any other text in the Scripture. And, of course, he came to be one of us. I was thinking about uh, Hebrews 2, verse 14. The Bible said, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, He also himself likewise took part of the same. He became one of us as far as this flesh is concerned. And uh, the Bible said in Hebrews 2.16, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. And so we want to see this matter of Jesus becoming one of us, becoming humanity, becoming flesh. Notice in verse number 4 of Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 3, the Bible said, And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Drop down to verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him, or allowed him. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well 
please. I want to look at this matter of Jesus being in the Jordan. I want us to see how in this Jordan experience it seems to reveal to us how that Christ has become one of us. There are simply three things that I would emphasize in this matter of Christ becoming one as far as humanity is concerned. I want us to notice, first of all, how that Jesus becomes one of us and that he is baptized in the same streams that everyone else is baptized in. I notice that he comes down to the Jordan. Now, the Jordan River was a river that began at Mount Hermon. I've been privileged, me and the wife, to be there. Flows all the way down into the Sea of Galilee. Exits the Sea of Galilee as a snake's back, winding down into the Dead Sea, some 200 and approximately 30 miles long. It is uh, never over three to nine feet wide. Uh, it is very, very, or 90 feet wide to 100 feet wide and never over six to nine feet deep. It is a very uh, dense and muddy body of water. And uh, it has a connection that is connected to all of Israel. It is the border of Israel, beginning at the north and flowing down as far as the south. You cannot think of Jordan without thinking of Israel. And you cannot think of a body of water in Israel without thinking about the Jordan. It's like the Mississippi uh, connected to America or the Amazon to uh, South America and so on. The Nile River uh, connected to uh, Egypt. So this river has an identification with the nation of Israel. And uh, it seems as though that everybody is connected somehow with a common connection to this, is, this, uh, this river. Uh, when you read about the, the river and the nation of Israel, uh, there are some phrases there that, that caught my attention. It talks about how that you may be on this side of the Jordan, or they were on that side of the Jordan. It said that they were in the Jordan, they were going through the Jordan. They were crossing over the Jordan. But nowhere does it say that they ever went around the Jordan. I say this Jordan River speaks of nature. It is that natural river associated with Israel. But it is a river that each one had to be attached to. And no one uh, could uh, find a way around it. I thought about Haman in the Old, or Naaman in the Old Testament and how that when he came down to see Elisha about this matter of his leprosy, uh, the scripture said that, that Elisha said, sent out his uh, servant to him and said, uh, dip seven times in the Jordan River. And of course this disturbed uh, uh, Naaman, uh, this, this great military leader, and uh, he said, uh, you know, we've got better rivers of this back in, back in Syria. We've got uh, Albana. We've got Farpar. We could, I, I'd rather go back there. I, I don't want to step down into this old muddy Jordan River. 
And uh, so his servant said to him, well, if the man of God had asked you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? He said, yeah. He said, well, why not do this? And so he stepped down into that Jordan River seven times, and the Bible said he came up whole. Now, if, if Naaman didn't want to go into the Jordan River because it was muddy, well, what do you think about the rivers that Christ had been associated with? He could have come down and he could have said, Now, John, I'm coming to be baptized because the Father wants me to baptize. But, you know, this Jordan River is not an appropriate place for me. Look how muddy this place is. And everybody else is being baptized in it. I, 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 I've been used to the crystal clear streams that flow from under the throne of God. And I'll be baptized, but we need to, we need to choose a different location. But he didn't do that. He came down and was willing to step into the same body of water, the same natural stream that everybody else stepped into when they came to John the Baptist to be baptized. It's an indication to me how that Christ has become one with us as far as nature is concerned, as far as the streams of life that touch and flow through our lives. As far as the elements and circumstances of, of human nature. Uh, he himself had to sleep. He himself became hungry. He himself became thirsty. He himself uh, was hurt. He himself wept. He himself went through sorrows and grief and pain and agony. Why? Because he wanted to know what you know. He wanted to feel what you feel. He wanted to be that high priest that was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And so in doing so, he became one with the flow of life. And I want you to see that, that that Jordan River represents the natural elements of all our lives that we must pass through and we may be on this side of or on that side of or in, but we cannot go around human nature. We must all face it as it is. Jesus was not too good to be rained on. Jesus was not too good to be snowed on. Jesus was not too good for the cold. Jesus did not hide himself from the heat. Jesus was not too good for pain and sorrow and heartache. Why? Because he became one of us in the streams and struggles that flow through all our lives. Because we are human nature and he came to taste all that we taste, even death. So that he might know us as no one else could know us. And so he is one of us in that he is baptized in our streams. I don't know if you've heard the little story about the boy that wanted a dog and So he and his father went to the pet shop. When they entered, they noticed that in one cage there was five or six puppies of one pedigree. And then there was another cage that had a little doggy that was of the pedigree of these six, but he was all alone. And he said to the owner of the store, why is it that you have these puppies together and this one separated? It looks like they're the same. He said, oh, they are. But he said, this little puppy here was born with a bad leg. 
And so we didn't want to leave him in with these others because people would be picking through them and inevitably they would pull him out and then we'd have to explain everything about it. And so we just separated him so everyone would know that he had a, he had a, a, a frail leg. And uh, so the little boy took his daddy by the hand, went over to the edge of the room there and began to speak to them. They, he came back and he said to the manager of the store, he said, uh, Sir, I, I'd, like to have, I'd like to have the little doggy that has the lame leg. He said, Oh, son, you don't want him. He said, he, he, he's, he, there's nothing that can be done that can save his leg. It, he was born with that infirmity. And, and besides, you can get all of, any one of these healthy dogs. And if you get the bad one, the lame one, you have to pay the same price as if you got a good one. So why not get the good one? About that time, the little boy backed up looking at, the store owner reached down and began to pull his pant leg up. And as he did, there was a steel brace that went all the way down into his shoe. And with a little tear bubbling up in his eye, he said, Mr. I have had a bad leg all my life. I don't mind a puppy with a bad leg. Aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus is willing to associate with you and I in our frailties as far as humanity is concerned? With our pains and sorrows and sufferings, he's willing to go through all of that, that he might know you and me in an intimate way. He was willing to step down into that muddy, flowing river, that Jordan that touched everyone else's life, also touched his life. Now, notice with me also, not only do we see that Christ in this Jordan experience has become one with us, and that he is baptized in our streams. But I notice also that he has become one with us as far as our, our sins are concerned. Look in verse number 6. The Bible said, And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Now there's one thing that you knew about everybody, and the scripture indicates that many came from Jerusalem and Judea. There was a line that was formed, no doubt, going down into that Jordan. But the one thing that you knew about every person that was in that line is that they were sinners. Because every time he would baptize, they would come up and confess their sins. If you were not a sinner, you would have no business being in that line. Because John's not going to baptize you until you come to the place that you deal with the issue of sin. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees had come and congregated and he scorned them and sent them away. He said, I'm not going to baptize you. Go and uh, take care of, uh, of, this, uh, of, this, of this attitude and deal with this sin problem. But everybody had come to the conclusion when they got in this line and made their way down to the Jordan that they were through with sin and they were confessing their sins. I can imagine those Pharisees, those hypocrites as they stood over and as they scorned and mocked and laughed and guessed about everybody's sin that was in that line. Oh, they could have a heyday. 
Oh, I think I know what that woman's probably been into. I think I, I, think I, I remember her being in trouble for an occasion. I, I, I think I, I, I've seen that man. I, I know. I think he was in court for stealing. I bet that man, I wonder what kind of sin he has committed. And then they stood and surmised and guessed and conjectured about everybody's lifestyle. Poor old sinners, poor old wicked sinners. Look at him getting in that line. And they again could laugh and scorn. But on one day, coming down from the Judean hills, comes a man, not really known to all of Israel because Jesus had not yet began his ministry. So when he comes to be baptized, they don't really know who he is. And can you see him as he comes down and uh, he comes over to that long line of sinners? Now, I don't know how scriptural this is, but I like to feel it. I can see myself in that line as a sinner. As every man must take his place and position as a sinner. And I can see Jesus coming over and bumping me over and said, If you don't mind, I think I'll take your place. And he ventures on down into that Jordan River. And there he associates himself not only with my streams, but he associates himself with my sins. He becomes one with the people of sin. He is to everybody who looks at him. He must be one of those sinners because he is in that line. He is associated with the practice of sin. Notice the Bible doesn't say sin in a singular sense, but verse 6 says their sins. Now I know in English grammar sin is a noun. But in the Word of God, and as far as theology is concerned, it is a verb because it is an action that we are all and have all been guilty of. And Jesus associated Himself with the people of sin, with the practice of sin, with the plurality of sin, with the position of sin. But I'm going to tell you, it even goes further than that. The Bible said He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. I've thought about the weight of sin, how terrible it is. I can remember as a 14-year-old boy when I got saved. That night it felt like the weight of the world had lifted off of me. I was only 14 years old, but sin had weighed me down and I really didn't even realize it until it was lifted off. But can you imagine not only my sins, but your sins and your sins. I mean, if we were to take all of the sins of all the people that are just in this congregation tonight, we wouldn't want to even discuss it. Uh, We wouldn't even want each other to know about the sins of our past. It would be a horrid and horrible discussion and thought upon our mind how dark and how devious, how wretched and how wicked that we have been. And think of the weight of sin that is pressed upon just your lives and the lives of people that you know. But then think that how Jesus came into this world to become one not only with our nature, our streams, but one with our need and with our sins. 
And that he again himself became, he became sin. Can you imagine that? The righteous, holy Son of God became, became. It's further, it's more than my mind can comprehend. He became not like sin or as sin or just for sin. He became sin. No wonder he cried out to the Father in the garden. Oh, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup, what? The cup of sin that brought down the wrath of God. The Son of God bearing the sins of the world. There is no way that we can imagine the weight that was upon him as his sweat became as great drops of blood. Why? He became one. He bore your sin. He bore my sin. But he became, he became our sin. Oh boy. He became sin for us. He's one with us. As far as our stream is concerned, he's one with us. Aren't you glad as far as our sins are concerned? But then notice with me, if you will, in verse number 16. Jesus goes down into that Jordan. And the Bible said when he was baptized, he went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus has become one with our struggles. He has become one with our sins. But can I say to you, he has become one with our silence. There is a voice that comes from heaven that constitutes a phrase in reference to God's Son that has never been spoken before. Heaven has been silent on this issue. Never has there been a man that God could ever say, I am well pleased with him. When he said, I am well pleased with him, what he was saying was, he is spotless, he is sinless. He does nothing that uh, displeases me, is in my complete will. And of course he was, because he was God and God's Son at the same time. And so he said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. There had been a lot of great Old Testament saints and prophets and priests and kings, but yet God had never opened up heaven and said about them what he said about him. But I'm going to tell you something. If there was going to be salvation for mankind, there was going to have to be somebody that God could say, I am well pleased with this one. It was sort of like in the Old Testament in the sacrifices for 
sin on the day of atonement. What the high priest would do is he would take a ram or a lamb and set it aside for seven days. He would look and he would examine uh, that ram or lamb on the exterior. If there were any boils, any bites, any sign of imperfection to the human eye, to the priestly eye, then that, that lamb was rejected and could not be sacrificed. But if everything was perfect on the outside to the human eye, then that lamb or ram would be severed into 12 different pieces. And then they would inspect the internal organs and fat and parts of that ram. And if on the inside there were any types of scars or blemishes, then that ram would be... uh, would be disposed of and not used as a sacrifice also. And they would continue until they found what they thought to the human eye was a perfect sacrifice. There was going to have to be a ram or a lamb that the high priest would say, this ram and lamb is acceptable. There is no blemish that I can find externally or internally because without the shedding of blood there would be no remission of sin. So it is with humanity. Speaking of Christ, God, when Adam failed, He gave that great promise that there would come one who would bruise the head of Satan and He would bruise Satan with the heel of this one. It was the promised child that was to come. But you see, we'd never know who it would be until heaven told us who it was. And so we begin 4,000 years before Christ came of human history of some good men, some godly men, some wonderful men. But yet, heaven was silent on this matter of a sacrifice that pleased God, a perfect son. And so you, you can see as we come down through history, you could see the Noah and the Abrahams and you, you, you could see the Davids and Elijahs and Elishas and, and on down, of course, even to John the Baptist. But heaven had nothing to say. There was going to have to be somebody, but heaven had been silent for 4,000 years. Nothing to say. Think of all of those who had crossed that Jordan But yet heaven could say nothing. Can I say to you tonight, heaven's not got anything good to say about you and I when it comes to the works and personal works of salvation. Uh, We're not good enough to get to heaven. Heaven's not going to burst forth and brag on your self-righteousness and uh, it's all as filthy rags. Now this world may brag on you and religion may brag on you and the educational system may brag on you but heaven has nothing good to say about sinners as far as salvation is concerned. But thank God on this one day here comes the Lamb of God, the Son of God. 4,000 years of silence. Why? Because of the fall of man and because of the flaws of man. God couldn't speak concerning them and on their account. 
But when Jesus stepped down into that Jordan, heaven could remain silent no longer. It burst forth. And the Father said, That's Him, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. He is the perfect sacrifice for sin. I'm glad that He became one with me in silence, the silence of heaven. I remember hearing a black preacher on a tape preach. Again, I don't know how scriptural this is, but it makes good preaching, so just hang on just a minute. Back in the beginning, when creation was created by God, that the Trinity worked in creation. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost were there. It was God, the Bible said, in the beginning. It was the Son whom Hebrews said spoke the world into existence. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And then it was the Holy Spirit that moved upon the face of the water and it brought forth life abundantly. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost in creation. But the old black preacher said that when the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost got finished in their workings together in creation, they headed out in salvation. But before they headed out in salvation, he said that they spoke to one another and they said, we'll meet. Now listen to this. He said, we're we're leaving out and heading out in, in this work of salvation. But he said, we'll meet at the river. And that's exactly where they met. On this day, the Bible said the sun was in the water. The spirit came down as a dove and the father spoke from heaven. They met at the Jordan. I want to add this to it. If the father, son, and the Holy Ghost, when they finished in creation, headed out in salvation, they said, we'll meet at the river. I think they said this. We'll meet at the river, but don't say anything until we get there. Why? Because there's nothing to be said on this matter of salvation and the perfection of a sacrifice until we get to Jesus. And so uh, it is here in this Jordan that it is verified that we have the Son of God. Another old black preacher said that when that old dove left that ark, Noah turned him loose and he didn't come back. Said he started flying down through time because he knew that his purpose was to fly and light on the Son of God. And said he flew out over uh, Abraham and, and he went down a little bit and he said, no, that's not him. And said he flew out over David and, and uh, come down a little bit and he said, that's not him. And he flew out over Elijah and he said, that's not him. And he flew out over Elijah and he said, that's not him. And he even went out there where old John the Baptist was, filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. And he said, no, that's not him. But thank God on this day when Jesus was standing in that Jordan, as the dove come flying over, the Father spoke and said, that's him. And the dove lighted on the Son of God. Why? Because he became one with us in the silence of heaven. I'm glad that there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. 
I'm going to tell you, before the Son became the sacrifice for my sin, before the Son broke the silence of heaven on my account, I was always in fear of death. I was always in fear if there was a God of His wrath. But I'm glad that the Lord has lifted that voice of judgment. And now He has brought forth the voice of pleasing. Since I've got saved, I have been able to hear my Father say, concerning me, I'm not talking about my perfection, but because I am accepted in who? The Beloved. I have been brought into this thing because of Jesus. And the Father's well pleased with the Son. And because He's well pleased with the Son, He's well pleased with everybody that the Son inhabits. And so, when I lay down at night, I can lay down in peace. Why? Because the Father's saying, I'm well pleased. Everything is okay. And when I get up in the morning, He's saying, I'm well pleased. Everything's okay. I'm in because of Him. He broke the silence of heaven. And now I can commune with the Father. And the Father communes with me. There's a preacher a few years back that wrote a book. In that book, he tells about his early days of pastoring. He said, I didn't have much money. And uh, he said, I had three youngins and a wife. And so what I would do is I would save up money all year long to take the children to an amusement park. And he said, at this certain amusement park, you didn't just pay one price and ride everything, but you bought tickets. And as many rides as you wanted to ride, or your children to ride, you bought that many tickets. And so he said, I went and I bought the tickets. And we began the day of them choosing what rides they wanted to ride. And he said, every time we'd come across one, I'd break off a ticket. And I'd give out three tickets, and they'd ride. Then we'd go to the next one, and said, I'd break off three tickets, and they'd ride, having a good time. But he said, lo and behold, it wasn't long. And he said, I don't know how it come about. But he said, but I noticed I was handing out four tickets. They'd go to a ride, and they was four hands and stick out, and... I'd have to give another ticket. And he said some little old boy that I didn't know where he is from or who he belonged to had got in with my kids and said, getting a free ride off of my tickets. And he said, I did that for a while. And the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, uh, these tickets I've worked hard for, they're for my kids to have a good time. I don't know where this boy's from, but he needs to get back wherever with his parents and whatever and let them take care of him. And said, so finally we come to a ride, and he said, I handed out three tickets, and I'd had enough of that fourth one. And said, I broke one off, and I was just hesitant to hand it. said, I was just about fixing to ask him who he was, what he thought he was doing, and he needed to get with his parents. And he said, my little old six-year-old boy looked up in my eyes, and he could see the hesitancy. And said, he spoke out real quick before I said anything. He said, he's okay, Dad. Said, that's all right. Said, he's with me. Well, he said, I figured out what that meant. I, he, I didn't know that boy from Adam, but said they got together. They was having a good time. 
And he said, I thought, you know, I brought my boy here to have a good time. And if having a good time is including this boy, then that's the way we're going to do it. Amen. And so he said, ever right after that, he said, I'd break off four tickets. Wouldn't think nothing about it. And I'd go to the next ride, I'd break off four tickets. And he said, ever ride my boy rode, I was going to let that boy ride because my boy said, he's okay, he's with me. <laughs> And he said after a while it was lunchtime and said we went to eat lunch. Said them hot dogs were high priced and them Cokes were high priced. But he said I bought four hot dogs and I bought four drinks and I bought four cotton candies and I ended up buying four popcorns. He said I just bought and bought but he said everything I bought, I bought in fours. Why? He said because I didn't know where that little boy come from. I didn't know who he was. But I knew that my boy said, it's okay, Daddy, he's with me. And he said, everything my boy got, that little boy got too. And he said, it dawned on me one day that I didn't deserve heaven. I ought to go to hell. I didn't deserve the blessings of God. But he said, I'm glad for the day when Jesus turned on my occasion and looked to the Father. And he said, it's okay, Father. He's with me. Thank God. And since that day, I've been pulling off tickets. Since that day, I've been getting tickets. I've been living off of the inheritance of the tickets of the Son of God. And I'm going to tell you, I'm getting them freely. Why? Because he that gave his own son freely will give us what the Bible said freely. And I'm glad that everything I've gotten, I've gotten through the Son. Hallelujah. I'm here tonight, not because of myself, but because of the Son. The first time I went before the throne, Jesus sitting on the right hand of the Father looked and said, it's all right, Father. He's with me. (laughs) That's all right, Father. He's with me. Isn't it amazing that most folks, when they get their inheritance, they don't want to share it. But Jesus had the inheritance of everything that belonged to his Father and his very prayer in John 17 is, Father, I pray that they would be one with us even as we are one. And he wanted to include you and he wanted to include me so that he might be able to turn and say, that's all right, Father. (laughs) That's all right, Father. He's with me. He broke heaven's silence. He changed how the Father looked at me and feels about me. And now the Father, when He looks at me, looks at me with the same voice, the same feeling, the same passion as He does His Son. Because I've been brought in through the Son. I guess we could say it this way. Jesus became one with us. He became one of us, let's say it that way. He became one of us that we might become one in Him. Amen. Well, aren't you glad you don't feel like you're a stranger? Hallelujah. Aren't you glad when you approach the throne you don't feel like you're going to the bank and they might just turn you away? Aren't you glad that you got free access and you can go boldly into the throne room of grace? Why? Because he broke heaven's silence. He said, it's all right, Father. He 
is with me. And I like them tickets, don't you? I like them tickets. <laughs> I'm here to tell you Jesus is in the Jordan. He is one with us in our struggles, streams. He is one with us in our sins. He is one with us in our silence.